All right, here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Why are we singing? I don't know. It, it, it's it's it's. At least funny. you're not doing the one voice. I what one voice? The one. What do you mean what, one voice? Oh the, my my accent. Your one accent. Yeah, Doctor Calypso Joe. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I have to. I uh, this is just for uh the folks who out there who can't actually see us. You uh, know, I knew you were going to say this. I I I have to. You know, it's so funny because you know when I uh log into Zoom, I never know what Scott's going to be wearing or what I'm going to be wearing. I know what I'm wearing, but I don't know what you're <laughs> Thank goodness you know what you're wearing. That's a good <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, you know, uh, and so some days I'll be like putting something on. I'm like, okay, there's no way that Scott is going to be wearing this today because like they're often, we have similar fashion sense, right? I would yeah, say that, I would you say. know, yes. similar fashion sense. Um, and so today I, I was putting on uh, a a checkered shirt and a a V neck and I'm like, there's no way that Scott's gonna wear a checkered shirt and a V neck and sure enough, he sure is enough. in a checkered shirt and a V neck. Yeah. Now different fact, color V neck, but yes. the exact almost the identical checkered shirt. The almost identical checkered shirt is um, the, it's the troubling part. Color. Yes, well, it's it's troubling. I don't and, know. It's, it's uh, on brand. Maybe it's charming. <laughs> let's let's go with charming. All right, look at, the, look at those two. They're like two old dads yeah, that yeah. just like all the other old dads seem to dress exactly alike. Yeah, the the sweaters and the yeah, checkered shirts and the checkered shirts. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, that is not what we're talking about this episode. We are. Um, this is actually a little sort of off brand for us. Um, Though it's it's to some of our earlier episodes, we focus more on tech stuff. I think because of the timing of when we we started this podcast around the pandemic, and yeah. But but you and I are both tech nerds, and um, so we are going to talk a little bit, um, not exactly about technology, but about the idea of personal knowledge management. And this has been a thing yeah. that really has been a a difficult struggle for me that to find like a setup that really. Um, works in a way that supports the kind of thing I'm trying to accomplish, right? And so let me just give you a short, you know, detail on this, and then we'll get into the meat of it. But basically, like as a as a person who thinks, as a knowledge worker, as a person who works at a university, as a whatever you want to label me as, um, one of the things that I do is, and I think many people do this in different as for different kinds of jobs is I'm trying to consume information, right? And and that means usually for me reading or listening to podcasts, occasionally watching videos. That And those things are to try and help me think about things that I think are important. Um, often those are journal articles, but that's not the only thing. And then on the, the other side of that is taking notes about those things and trying to keep track of my thinking about those things. And so that those two processes, sort of the information in and then basically information out, thinking about about how to keep track of this and 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 not have to rethink every time you come upon something or some idea, is this idea of personal knowledge management. And and this has been an issue forever. I mean, you know, probably the Greeks talk about it. I don't know, but Greeks seem to talk about everything. <laughs> but um but uh, I, I wasn't expecting us to be talking about the Greeks today. <laughs> well, we're not really talking about the Greeks. We could talk about the the Italians, though, but because sure. you know they you know they had a long history of probably doing this too. But the point is, I, on some level, I've always tried to look for some sort of silver bullet piece of software that was going to take care of all this, where I could read in it, I could take notes, and then those notes would all be linked to each other, be this magical place where all my thinking, you know, lived, and I would be like an outward brain. I've never found such a thing, no. but, um, but I just wanted to begin this conversation and talk about like our process a little bit, how we do this and what tools we do use for it and, and where our pain points are and what we're trying, you know, problems we're trying to solve. So that's, that's the setup. And, uh, and now I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I've, you know, I am, I'm, I'm besides being a podcaster, I'm also an active blogger. And so I'm always like, like looking for, I don't want to say looking for content, but, yeah. you know, trying to, you know, when I have ideas, which will be like when I'm driving the car or when I'm, you know, in the shower or when I'm riding the bike or wherever right. that these ideas come to me, um, I find the need to like write them down or, or archive them so that when I actually sit down and write that I have this, but they're also like ongoing projects, like, you know, lesson ideas for like a class or 
changes to a syllabus or changes to like there's all, or I come across some like awesome article that I'm like, oh, I want to include that in a class this fall or whatever. It's just it's an ongoing inundation of information, right? And I don't always manage it well. And I think there are times I have managed it really well. Um, and there are other times that I haven't. And I think some of it is just um, the nature of just technology. Like one of the things that um, just I realized actually when you said this episode, I moved to a new computer like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. It was, uh, our university is updating everyone's computers. And uh, in my effort to move content over from one, I backed up all the stuff. But one of my you know chief management systems is a program called Papers. Um, which I think you turned me on to like probably like 15 years ago or something. Yeah. Um, and while I have the library, the actual, so papers is a, you know, a sort of an article library management Bi- system. Bibliographic management system, right? It's yeah. Like so a, well, yeah. as you come across things, um, you can archive them, put them in folders, and then you can search across all of them for, you know, utterances or words or anything. Um, but it's 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 kind of like your own library um, of PDFs, and it's also citations and all this. Well, I have the library, but I don't have app over. You know, I didn't actually transfer the app over. I totally forgot. Mm. And so you just mentioning that this morning, I'm like, oh gosh, I I didn't do that. So it's something new I have to do. Um, but I've tried other versions of that. Like one of the you know the, the ones we try to get our doctoral students to use is Zotero. Um, yeah, which is sort of the same thing. And maybe that's not like at the time when I tried to convert over from papers to Zotero, it didn't, it didn't like that. It didn't, you know, was not. Yeah. So papers, papers was a great piece of software. I don't use it anymore, but it was proprietary. That's, and that's actually one of the core things that I think is interesting to talk about in this space is one of the challenges is if you're going to put your stuff somewhere, you want it to go in to a thing that you can get it out of in a way that something else can use it. So I think that's a really tricky right. fit because there's a lot of, like I use Evernote for a lot of note taking. One of the problems with Evernote is it doesn't export very cleanly into something that then you can get your data out and use in some other app. And obviously that's intentional, but I think it also is problematic. So it's it's a key piece to this. Like how do you yeah. think about the fact that no matter what piece of software you're using, it may disappear in five years. And do you want all your stuff locked up in a, in a box? Yeah. And that's one of the things that like I'm running into some challenges with right, right now is that some of the folks I'm working on projects with are folks at, at my university and our university has moved us away from things like Google, you know, so we're not using Google drive anymore. Mm-hmm. We're now using office 365 and that architecture is just very difficult to manage. Yeah. So it's very easy to upload files and things in uh, to an extent. It's okay to you for, you know, sharing documents, like to actually like, you mm-hmm. know, work on a, a collaborative document, but it's very clunky. It is so difficult. Um, and yeah, but but just the nature of the fact that those are the people I'm working with are all in the same institution. So if I was working with you, we tried to do this actually with Office 365, but cross institutions, you being at Penn State, me being in Millersville, makes it very difficult for us to go across institutions like that. Yeah. Um, so that, and then we move some to, to Google. So we have now another architecture, another ecosystem that we're, because right. just by the nature of who we're collaborating with, you know? Yeah, no, I think this is a big problem and I and I don't know a solution to it either, but this this idea of like do you go all in with some system, with some architecture or some framework like you're talking about? Like for a while it seemed like everybody was using Google and so that was a thing and and that worked reasonably well. At least you sort of could get there, but surprisingly Drive is pretty terrible at search, which I don't understand. Right, but you know it's not it's not a well organized system. It's it's basically like a giant junk drawer full of files, and you're sort of digging around in it for the thing that you're looking for, and that's a pain. And but Teams like say, is even worse. Yeah, Teams, 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 and and then Teams versus OneDrive versus SharePoint and all that sort of nonsense. Oh my gosh, about how yeah. do those things interact with each other? Is a whole nother kettle of fish. So I think. I think this, but this fundamental question is like, 
where do you get stuff in? How do you mark it up so that you the important bits you can remember? And then how do you attach those important bits to notes that you take? And then how do you attach notes to each other? So I think yeah. you know, we, we we live in this hypertext world where everything can be linked to everything else if you want it to be. And yet it seems really difficult to actually make any system like that work productively, um, at least for me. And and I'm again I keep shopping around. So we can talk about some of the tools. I don't know if you want to talk about any of the other tools that you've used um we've mentioned these bibliographic software stuff we you know like endnote and papers and zotero used to be mendeley mendeley sort of has had right. some problems um and slowly disappearing it seems but um but yeah the i think those are a little niche in the sense that they're specifically for academics who are citing papers but this broader question of like how do you like read stuff on the internet and then whether that's journal articles or whether that's news or whatever blogs that you follow. And then how do you mark that up and keep track of it and help? Like, how do you get that upward brain? Yeah, I, I do a lot. I have a lot of folders, a mm, lot of folders, folders. Uh, well, wait, folders on your computer. Yes. So yeah, you download I'm, things to your computer. I do. Or I put them in off. If I'm sharing something with office 365, like if you and I were collaborating, if you, well, we are collaborating, right? So you Look and I, right yeah, we we have ongoing projects around the STEM stuff. We have like pretty, you know, ambitious and you know comprehensive folders on Google where we share all kinds of you know PDFs on on things that you know we've pulled down. Um, that's great if that's the format for that, right? Um, but. What do you do whenever you come across a like website, right? I like, oh yeah, oh, this is a. Do you create a a file when you put all the links in? And right. we've done some, stuff like that, but then it becomes really clunky, you right. know. And it's a page full of links, and you don't know what anything is, and it's, right. Yeah. And then you have to add some context to it. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a real challenge, and I don't know if I'm always on top of it. This is like an area that I feel like, you know, um, my. Like there's so much of my life that's structured and organized. Yeah. This is not one of them. You know, right. I I I'm I have notes in my you know on my my phone where that's where I basically are. You know, I'm coming up with ideas for blog posts or episodes or whatever, mm -hmm. and I'm like going, ah, this is you know, this is a great idea. This well, is, let's, and it, can and we sometimes take a step it's back? like literally just a like an idea. <laughs> yeah, and I just can't like. Then I come back to him like, what the heck was that like? Right. You know, like you yeah. find like a little note to yourself and like, I don't know what that is, you know? Yeah. It's like brain dust bunnies. It's like, like these little things that you find. You're like, what is that? Like, it's like that was peanut butter as epistemology. I'm like what? That was yeah. probably a really brilliant idea at some point, but yeah. not now. Not, what not what was I even thinking? You know, yeah. no, it's just I, I must have been drinking. Yeah. Been, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a step back <laughs> sure. and, and break these processes into two. So let's first talk about like when you read on yeah. your devices, whether that's your computer, your phone, or an iPad or whatever, like what are you what are you typically reading in? Like what yeah. what software and what tools do you use to read? And then as you're reading, do you typically mark it up as you're doing that, or do you send that thing somewhere else to be marked up later? That's a great question. So I um and this is again partly because of uh, the transition over to new computers and new uh, software at our institution. I've been using a lot of Acrobat to mark things up, okay. you know, so I mark things up in Acrobat. And what, what, what's nice about that is you can search through all of your, but it, but if I'm finding like, if I'm working on like a, a paper, or I'm working on like a lit review or working on something, um, I'll take those quotes and sort of like assemble them in Word documents and things like that. And okay, don't get to notes yet. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to keep us clean here. Yeah, but, so you download PDFs and you open them up in Adobe Acrobat and read yeah. them in there. Yeah. And I have folders and so I have lots and lots of folders on lots my and lots, of folders. lots of folders. But most of them are on my like actual desktop. Like the things that I'm working on like currently are on the desktop of my computer. So if you were to come in, it's like there's you know, course stuff, then there's research, then there's, you know, or if I'm like working on a project, like specifically like right now, you and I are working on all this PA STEM stuff, 
um, there's a folder with PA stem and all of that stuff is like in a, in its own folder because I know I'm going to get to that folder. And like right now I'm working on a big project around like educator ethics. And so that's its own folder rather than embedded in some other things, you know, yeah. now within that I may have conceptual, you know, folders inside there that have some sort of like breakdown. It could be based on what the product is. Like, you know, whether it's a file or whether it's a, you know, papers or research or whatever, Um, or it could be something like, you know, the type of conceptual, like advocacy versus, you know, standards versus dispositions, you know, those would be like- This is a tagging system that you've developed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly around folders, you know? Right. So, so talk for a second, because that was a very academic answer. Sure. So talk, is that the only place that you get your ideas? Like, do you read in other places other than journal articles that you're downloading as PDFs and marking up? Yeah. Like, so books, like actual physical paper, you know, that's, I mean, those, that's the the challenge because I still read a lot of stuff on paper and most of it's like underlining and, you know, I actually have a bunch of, I'm I'm looking around my office right now. There are, there's paper right now in my office of, you know, articles I've been reading because sometimes if I really want to get into it or a book I really want to get into um, or that I don't have a digital copy, um, that's where the post-it notes come out. That's where the, you know, um, lots of highlighting and marking and, you know, writing on the corners. And then that, what do I do with that stuff? Like it's hard to, it's, it's hard to manage, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, stealing a little from Merlin Mann here, that this idea of multiple inboxes, right? I mean, I think one of the challenges that that I face that it sounds like you're facing too is this idea of like, okay, so yeah, I download a lot of PDFs. Those go into Zotero usually because those PDFs are almost always journal articles that I'm reading for some academic purpose. Books are more complicated because they're a mix of things that I read that are fully academic things that I'm reading for for work. And then there's sort of proto-academic things that are sort of like the David McRaney book that we've talked about, which is sort of related to my professional interests, but also I'm reading for personal stuff too. And then there's obviously novels and things like that. And those don't usually produce something. But But the other big thing that I do is I consume stuff that is on the web, right? So that could be blogs like your blog. It could be um, news feeds from various people um, that I follow. And I use things like, you know, uh, in the past, things like Instapaper or Net Newswire, you know, for RSS feeds and for things like that, where I'm reading from a place where they're publishing content and I want to be able to access it. Um so things like that, There's there's and there's some new tools in this space that I'm playing with that I'm trying to figure out if I like. One is called Readwise Read Reader, which is a really interesting new web interface that lets you mark up web pages, highlight, keep track of all this stuff, and it lets you link notes together, which is another piece that I think, if we talk about note-taking, is, is key for me that I feel like I need that I don't know how to do well yet. Um, and another one that just came out, which is an iOS thing, is called Artifact. Um, and that is an AI-based tool that's supposed to help, you know, as you you put in your interests and then as you read articles, it sort of is supposed to get smart about what you are interested in and give you more of what you're interested in. Now, I have, I'm nervous about that, too, because I think one of the things that makes us as academics think about different things is not having a a really confined stream, right? Where it's like, oh, I get more and more of the same stuff. And that typically actually isn't interesting to me. I'm I'm more interested in the things that are on the periphery of what I'm interested in that is like, oh, that's sort of cool. I want to follow that. So anyway, all that to say, there's so many tools out there. And again, it's like this, well, if I start using Readwise Reader and marking stuff up in there and putting notes in there, well, I can get them out. At least it's designed that way that they come out as as mark uh, markdown like text. But like, where does that go then? And what right. do I do with it? And and it doesn't keep its it doesn't keep its link to the original source, which I think is sometimes really important because I want to see the context of that quote. I don't want to just see the quote that I pulled out. I want to be able to read a little bit around it and remember why I cared about. It. Yeah, one of the things I I I liked about and I think Zotero did this is that like this artifact, you know, it would look at your library and then look at other people who had that stuff in their library and then say, Hey, you're, you might want to check this article out because mm. it's in other people's libraries. Who's like you, 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that's kind of nice. But if it's like using an artificial intelligence to make new connections, I do hesitate with that a little bit, you know? Yeah. I mean, supposedly it's not making new connections. It's just trying to tailor what you're being offered to read based sure. on what you've read in the past, um, which is a little different. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, and we've talked about GPT, so I don't want to talk yeah, about that too no, much, no, no, no. but I'm just going to mention like how many new browsers now are moving much towards like a chat interface as a search tool rather than traditional Google, where it just gives you a list of links. This, you type in a question and it types out an answer in a GPT chat sort of way. So one of the questions is, how does that start impacting our the way we interact with the world? But but. Anyway, AI is something that we have to grapple with what role we want it to play in our lives, but it's clearly happening, going to continue to happen both on the reading side and on the writing side in doing background connection making, which could be great or could be terrible. I haven't figured that out yet, but um, but this idea still I'm, I'm struggling with, like, I want to be able to read stuff whether it's a book, whether it's a PDF, whether it's a web page, whether it's a tweet, whatever, and be able to mark it in some way, put my own note to it, but then also have all of that somewhere so I can access it later. And right now, all that stuff is in like 15 different places. And it's wow, it's let's throw in a 16th place because okay, please. one of the things that this is actually coming up in a conversation with a friend of the show, Leslie Gates, recently is that um, one of the things that I interact with a lot, and you do too, are podcasts. Yeah, I have that in my notes too. And, and when we interact with podcasts, you know, it, it, it makes it even more challenging because, yeah. and I'll reference, you know, podcasts on my blog a bunch because, you know, that, that's where, you know, I get a, there's a constant stream of ideas. Um, but then when I want to reference it, you know, it's like, where, how do I reference it? So I yeah. go to the, the page but then the page is an audio file or, yeah. you know, it's so a streaming timestamp. And... Right. Or, you know, I'll try to find the transcript of it. Not all the, you know, that yep. opens up a whole new can of worms because sometimes the transcript isn't actually on the site. It's on a different site by some service who yep. they've hired, you know, like, and then it's like finding that specific quote to bring in. It's, it's just is very cumbersome. And then how do you archive those ideas? Like, yep. you know, it's it's one thing to reference it in a post or reference it in, you know, some other thing, but it's another thing completely to go, where did I find that piece of information? Like, you know, I'll be in a conversation or I'll be in, it's happened on the show where we're talking about something. I'm like going, okay, was that from Radio Lab or was that from 99% Invisible or was that from dot, dot, dot? Um, and then it's like, you're just going through and trying to remember the markings of what that episode was about and who was in it. And yeah, it's just, is another thing to manage another information source to manage another challenging because it's not text, it's audio. Yeah. And you can add YouTube to that too, because I think, you know, as people, and I, I watch more YouTube now than I used to, but, um, but I agree the podcast thing is something that I really struggle with because a lot of the podcasts I listen to, have um, have content that may be relevant to things I'm thinking about and I may want to make note of it in the same way that you're talking about. And so how do you figure out a way to do that and reference it, not just for the purposes of the quote, but for, right. again, later listening back to content? Not that I think I'm going to do that either. Like Some of this is like, how much am I preparing for an imaginary world that I don't actually live in where you know I'm actually going back and looking at all this stuff over and over again? But um, yeah, I mean, I think, and maybe, maybe this is the transition point into the notes and what do you, where do you take yeah. your notes? You were saying you, you take your notes in the notes app on, on your Mac and on your phone. Right. Yeah. And that's the challenging thing with that is that oftentimes I have these ideas and it's not the ideal setting to actually sit down and write something lengthy thing, you know? Right. And so it's like, you know, a note to my future self who may not actually be thinking the exact same way that I'm thinking right now. Right. And I look at that future note and I'm just like going, uh, what the heck was I thinking? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing that's related to that sort of is is increasingly it's easy to dictate 
and and but that doesn't necessarily make things better it just makes them longer right Right. so it's like you're in the car and you you have your brilliant you know peanut butter epistemology uh (laughs) whatever it was thought and you're like oh i gotta remember this so you pull out your phone and you open the notes app or you open you know like i use drafts is a is a piece of software that i use and you could open it up and say Oh my gosh, peanut butter epistemology. Here's the here's the thing I was thinking. It's such a cool idea. Blah 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 blah. And then it it you know when you're driving, so you don't get to spell check or look at her. So it it produces some text, and that now that's stored somewhere. But then it's like, well, for that to be of any use, you have to go back and yeah. look through these notes and call through them and organize them and make links and say, oh that that thing reminds me of this other thing that I heard on 99% Invisible. And I wonder if I can link, but, but that sort of note-taking stuff is really hard. Like how do you, because again, my problem is I'm bad at going all into something and saying, okay, from now on, I'm only going to use this thing. And I'm just going to try using that thing. I don't know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days and see how well it works, really get to know the tool, make sure that it, it, will do all the things because at the end of that 90 days, A, I want to be able to get all that stuff out if I don't like it. And B, if I've spent a bunch of time on some tool that I that isn't working for me, then I feel frustrated. I'm like, oh, no, I wasted all that time dumping stuff into this thing and I really should have been you know, using something else. Well, I think one of the things that helps is, and I, I, I'm not perfect at this. This is not... Um, you know, this, tr- this kind of management of notes and things. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I'm really good at is, is setting routines, like mm. setting a, a time to do something. Like if I say I'm going to work out every day at 7.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning, I will stick to that. Yeah. Um, I've been blogging every Tuesday for 12 years, 13 years. So yeah. every Tuesday of my life for the last 12 or 13 years, I have written – a 500 word to a thousand word blog post. Um, I think setting that sort of routine in which I have to go and go into those notes and go into those things um, where I'm leaving the breadcrumbing for myself, right? Mm. Forces me to go in and like mix it up and figure out. Whereas if it was a longer period of time, like say I would, you know, didn't use that stuff, you know, I'm constantly putting stuff in the bucket, but not using it for like, you know, two months, three months. Um, that would make it harder. It would make it harder because it's a longer period of time. So if I'm looking at it, you know, a week later or three days later, because I'm doing something with it. So I think that's the one thing, you know, a piece of advice is if you set some sort of manageable routine for using that stuff. Like I'm, if I'm like saying, I'm going to put a note for a syllabus, I'm going to develop it like six months from now. That note's going to be useless for me six months from now. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. useless because yeah. six months from now, I'm going to be a different person. I'm going to be yeah. thinking about something different. You know, future Ollie is different than this Ollie. Yeah. Um, and we don't often get along. I'm just going to say like future Scott and, and right. current Scott and past Scott. We don't like sometimes I'm pretty angry at one version of my other self. <laughs> right. I'm like, like, why did you do that? That was yeah. so dumb. Why did you? Oh my God. It's like, yeah, future Ollie is always angry at past Ollie because uh, past Ollie seems to drop the ball and stuff. You know, it's, it's really, really bad. And no matter how many times future Scott reminds past Scott to not drop the ball. Yeah. Future Scott tries to communicate to now Scott, yeah. but then. You know, yeah. we're always blaming the past versions of ourselves. Oh, it's so true. Damn them. You know? <laughs> if, if only that one was better, I'd be so much better. But they're terrible people, uh, our past selves. Yes, oh, yes they are terrible people. And uh, and tomorrow's Scott will be saying that about today's uh, Scott. I already did. It yeah. just happened as we're speaking now. Yeah. Yeah. Mind blown. Mind right blown. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I so I'm just going to say, like, I have tried... Like I, I was really deep into Evernote for a while because I liked the fact that you could do internal linking and that was really powerful for me. You could connect. It had really nice templates. So I had all these templates set up to your, your idea of routines. Like I tried to put certain kinds of note-taking, like advising note-taking or whatever, like that could go into a template in Evernote. And I was like, that's so great. It's going to help me. Um, but I never quite like get over the hump of going all the way into something. And, and the frustration for me then 
becomes, and this happened, this happens on the reading side too, or the stuff that we were talking about in terms of platform and organization is, you know, you were saying, oh, is that from 99% Invisible or was that from, well, my problem that's related to that is, did I write that in my paper notebook? Did I write that in notes? Did I write that in Evernote? Did I write it in drafts? Did I write it somewhere else? Did I write it in a PDF when I was reading it? Like, and I can't remember because I'm old, my brain is broken. And so it's like all this stuff, like I've got all these places and it, and I don't keep track of it. And, you know, like you said, if you're not sort of calling through that on a regular basis, it's all, you know, going back to that metaphor of a junk drawer. It's like, I've got this idea junk drawer and every once in a while I open it and dig through it to see if there's that thing. Oh, did I leave that screwdriver in here? No, I guess I didn't. Oh, maybe. Oh, no, that's not it. It's close, but it's, you know, and it's, it's so, frustratingly inefficient and stupid. I just don't know what to do about it. Yeah. I, I often find that I, uh, I'll have a folder that's basically marked kitchen stuff. You know, if you're like moving or something, right. it's like kitchen stuff where you're like, yeah. you're having some remodeling done and you just have this big box of kitchen stuff. And that's the, yeah. you know, where spatulas go and yeah. spoons. It's like just a big collection of, and also like Sharpies stuff. and right. Like yeah. whatever else was in the kitchen drawers when you made that box. Right. Yeah. Right. And you like throw it like, how the heck is this kitchen stuff? You know? And you're like, look back and you're like, how did this get in this folder like what was i again blaming past ollie past ollie was not thinking straight (laughs) no and then you know and now this is a whole nother rabbit hole but i'm just going to mention it because it's in my my mixed up brain which is like this idea of a naming convention right so like i download all these pdfs well every pdf site every site has its own method for naming them and so I have a folder like you do that's like downloaded PDFs and they're like some of them are named like 022449A4463 and I'm like well I have no idea what that right. is like that could be anything that could be my tax records from last year or it could be a PDF that I downloaded that I don't care about and um so this idea and one of the things that I loved about Mendeley which so Tara doesn't do is it had a way that as you downloaded stuff, it would rename the PDFs in a convention that you, you yeah. decided. Papers did the same thing, which I loved. And it would put a folder of all the author yeah. and then inside it would put in like the, the, the publication date and stuff. Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. It was um, awesome, but it's expensive. Like I just looked like the, um, to download a new version of it. It's, it's like, you know, 60, hundred bucks a year now. Yeah. That's a subscription. And, yeah, and it's proprietary, as you said. Right. So it's it's so and Zotero like is great. It does bib text. It does like you can export it in ways that other systems can then import it. But I hate the way it does folders because all the folders are named in this cryptic way that's internal to Zotero, and it and and the PDFs at least are named in a normal way, but the folders that they're in aren't. And so that's you know to your point, it's not that helpful. So I, I guess. I don't know how much more we can say about this. I feel like we're mostly well, uh, been whining about right. Why? Well, well, uh, yeah, food, I'll, I'll I'll just add one more, and it kind of like um, you and I've been working on stuff for a, a bunch of uh, years, you know. And I think that you and I have a pretty good sense of how you and I work and name things, and typically we try to follow similar structures. But you know, whenever you start a new project with a new person, right? And I have a couple of new mm-hmm. projects that I'm starting with folks, um, and it's like you almost have to feel out like and come up with like, like a, you have to have that conversation. Okay. How are we going to like name stuff in the folder? How are we going to like organize like the stuff in the folder? How are we going to organize the, you know, it work or working on literature review together? Like how are we going to organize that stuff? And it's right. just like, and, and a lot of it is like, it's almost like you've come from one planet and you've gone to another planet, yeah. you know, and you're trying to figure out the norms of practice mm-hmm. and the language and all of that. And especially when it crosses disciplines or it crosses like, yeah. Cause like other disciplines have different ways of looking at stuff. And it's like, it, yeah, I just wish there were like, yeah, like a, a standard or some sort of like tool that everybody used that did it all. Like the one tool that did it the, all. The one ring system. to rule them all. It doesn't exist. No, but I do think like it's an interesting idea, and and it makes me think of like um, this this guy Tom Sachs, who I've mentioned before, who's an artist, and he had rules for how his studio worked. And I do wonder, like, 
could it be useful to try and impose rules at least on yourself and the people that you work with? Because I'll say often is not, if I'm working with somebody, I just say, Oh, well, you know, we did the, I, I did this with the STEM professional learning stuff that we're doing. I was like, well, what's easiest for you all? Like where, where would you like yeah. us to put these files? And they said, Oh, we'd like them up in Google drive. And, and the problem with that is then I have to, if I do that with everybody I work with, now I'm multiplying the systems that I use. And so one of the things I wonder about is, can you be a little ego assertive here and say, look, here is the sp- here is how I work best. If you don't have a preference, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to set up a folder. And also, maybe this is something for us to learn in our in our current collaboration over this, is have a document that says, here's the way we name documents. Here's how we do stuff, right? So if you make a new folder, the folder should have these pieces of information in it in this order, not just whatever you decide to name it. I mean, we, we see this all the time with, you know, turning in documents, students handing something in, right? So you assign, you assign a, a homework or a, a, a piece of work and you say, okay, you're, you have to turn in a theoretical framework for this course. Well, then you get 15 documents that are all called theoretical framework. And it's like, well, that's super unhelpful yeah. to me because I don't know whether that's Ollie's or mine or some other person's. So, and you, you know, so in, I think probably in yours, you have a syllabus that says, here's the naming convention. Like when I don't you name that. your document. <laughs> I Ugh. wish I did. I should, uh, but I like, should. Uh, uh, I mean, I think we, at our earliest collaborations like when we first started like way back in our you know invisible college days this is like yeah. a we had a name we had a a, a file that had naming yeah. conventions because yeah. we were collecting audio and we we're like yep. it's like okay here's how you do this and so we and there was a group of us like six or seven of us at one point um and across all of us, we're trying to share and make sure that we're being consistent. So you sort of like act as, as the, the czar, the naming czar right. for everybody. Not like, and that's not a, you know, a, a bad thing. I'm not like, you know, passing judgment on that, but somebody yeah. had to, right. somebody had to like say, this is, and I think as you are collaborating with people, because it's like somebody else comes over and opens up a, the kitchen stuff box and says, okay, hold on. There's markers in here. I, what are you cooking with markers? Right. You know? Well, but then what they do is they just, des- they decide on an organizational system. They say desk stuff. They make- right. <laughs> yeah. And then they put a new box inside the, the kitchen box that's called desk stuff. And they put a bunch of stuff in there. Some of which you think is desk stuff and some of which you don't think is desk stuff. Yeah. And now, now you're like, wait, I know I put that in the kitchen box. Why can't I find it? It's like, right. well, now it's in the desk box in the kitchen box. Um, so yeah, and, that, I, and I, we are absolutely experiencing that exact problem with our STEM yes. group. We are yeah. absolutely experiencing that because there's stuff that gets moved all over. And so what ends up happening is somebody goes and finds the file. If we're meeting in Zoom or something, and says, Ooh, "Here's the, the link. here's the link to the file," because no yeah. one can remember the exact you know way to navigate to that thing because it's moved around and been renamed so many ways. Right, and there isn't a consistent way of naming yeah. things, so it's like I have no earthly idea. And then everything sounds exactly like everything else. It's it's you know I mean that's the problem with knowledge. If we we're, we can end with this, but this idea of like okay, there's personal knowledge management, but your personal knowledge management overlaps in a Venn diagram way with lots of other people's knowledge right. management system. And what happens is you get a tragedy of the commons, right? Where nobody keeps track of the shared stuff and tries to organize it. It just becomes a dumping ground, and so. All that stuff is like, oh, I'm going to... And then people email you stuff that they should put into a document in the folder. And then you, you got this problem of like, okay, well, we want to save that, but it's not an, it's in email, which means now I got to track it down and put it somewhere. So this... Okay. So life is hard and yeah. knowledge management is difficult. Um, I'm going to... And we say, haven't figured it out. And neither no. of us have figured it out. And if you you figured it out, let us know. Please tell us. Um, I will. I will throw out there one new tool which I've only just started looking at, but a bunch of my students love, which is called Obsidian, and it has a Mac version. It has an iOS version. I think it has an Android and PC version as well. But it does some pretty cool stuff. It's a note taking app, and, and that note taking app like does some cool organizational things that let you do some mappy stuff with your notes and let you link them and do cool stuff with them. But I, I can't say much about it, but I, but you know, again, it's like, do I want to start a whole new system? Like I, I, I feel like I don't, but I don't know. Um, I, I, 
I, I, I fall into the trap over and over again that I think there's a tool that will solve my problem instead of thinking about there's a practice that could solve my problem, which is to say, can you figure out a way to organize your stuff and then just do that and stop hoping that some tool is going to magically do it for you? Yeah. And, and at, at some point, I don't want to be that guy who just goes, mm. I'm going to stop learning new tools. But mm. at some point, you just go, you know what? I do something like this already with this other tool, even though it doesn't, you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the site right now and it's yeah. like knowledge management should be frictionless. It's like, yeah. what, what, what is that? Yeah. 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 I know, but it's, it's enticing and you're like, yes, it should. Maybe I should try this thing. Right. But there, I mean, there's a long history of this. There was, you know, um, Devon think Tinderbox. There were all these tools that were designed to like be bespoke, knowledge management systems that were going to help you write and help you think. And, um, you know, then there's new ones like Trello that are shared and let you organize stuff. And there are just so many tools out there and it's, um, and they're not all exactly the same, but they're not all enough different that it's easy to tell them apart. And so it's just this, um, you know, it's a problem of the modern age. It's like the modern grocery store. Like you go in and there's 15 kinds of peanut butter and you, you're like, which of these peanut butters goes with the epistemology the way I want it to? And you don't know because there's so many. It's like, well, some of them have nuts. Some of them don't. They're creamy. Some of them are you know, organic. Some of them are not. And how do you decide what peanut butter goes with your epistemology? Right. I didn't realize that was going to be a thing, well, uh, I the think theme of this episode. The but good news is. is we know what the title of the episode is. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we don't have to worry about that. Right. There you go. Done. Yes. All right. I All right. this was a lot of whining. It was. But um, but I do think like I think this is a problem that is only getting worse and that we have to figure out for ourselves at least how to manage this because right. I think you know the I th- what was it? It was something like every day now we produce more knowledge than was produced by the human race up until 2003. So that's a terrifying notion, right? And knowledge taken broadly, right? New words yeah. are produced by people that go into the internet. But, you know, all the knowledge up to till 2003, we're producing that much every day. And that's just how it is now. And that's on an, you know, that's on an uh, uh, accelerated curve. So it's only going to get worse. So how do we manage all this? And then to take it all the way back, how do we help prepare people to enter this world to think about knowledge claims and what it means to have evidence for something. And how do you think about all that in a context where there's so much information and data out there that it makes it really easy to make claims that are supported by something because you can always find evidence now for, for the crazy idea that you have because somebody else had it and they published something about it. Yeah. Well, I think we need to find some joy. Yeah. And you got wine. some joy. You got some joy. Uh well, yeah. I this is I I want it to be come off as a joy and not a brag. So how does how do I do this? So I'll say this. Um I, I'd mentioned it, you know, several months ago about, you know, my love of fantasy sports, specifically fantasy football. And um it's the end of the football uh-huh. season just recently. Yes. And and so I, I participate in several fantasy football leagues. Okay. Some of, and there are, Hey, are different for different parts of the season. Some are weekly, some are long-term. Um, there's one I started uh, several years ago, like five, four or five years ago. That's just playoff bound, right? It's just mm. the beginning of the playoffs and it goes through, through the NFL playoffs to the, through the Super Bowl. And in a lot of ways, it's the hardest one to do. It's also the most fun. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard because you can only use players once over the whole course of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so if you use them week one and that person goes to the Super Bowl, you can't use them again for the Super Bowl. You're out of luck with that player. And so you have to be really strategic and you have to really manage like the teams you're playing and um and the points accumulate every week over over the course of the playoffs. So it's like five or six weeks of of this and and um players are using some of the like it's all the same players you're not like using a a player and somebody else can't use that same player so you're like really Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 
probably the most complicated and most competitive, and I've never won. I, I in fact, in, in last year, I didn't even place in the top ten. Oof. Like, there's like 35 people in this league, yeah. and and I have struggled. Last year, I tried a different strategy. I was like near the bottom, right? I was out of it before the Super Bowl, and so. Um, this this year, I tried a different strategy of you know really managing and and I won. This was Look the first. You. This is the first, and it, it happened in the last minutes of the Super Bowl. Oh. And so I was watching this. And it, it's and this is the reason why I do this. It just makes sports. It adds like another layer of like excitement, sort of sport. like betting on sports does. Yes, and I don't really bet much. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not like I am. I'm a gambler. This is like this is a lot of strategy, and it's a lot of like even into the course of the the afternoon of the Super Bowl, I was changing my lineup. I was like going this guy versus this guy, and that actually played off because paid off because I want the guy pulled out and put the other guy in. The other guy took off, and it was like that one move really because the second place guy. Uh, he was like a point or two behind me, like like. So that was how close it came. Photo and uh, it was, yeah. So I am not bragging. I'm just sharing my joy because, nice. believe me, I have been beat up by this league in past years. <laughs> well, that's cool. I I have never played a fantasy sports league. I I couldn't play an NFL one because I. That I I believe it is a true thing to say that the only NFL game I watched this year was the Super Bowl, and I only sort of half watched it. So I would be bad at at um at playing fantasy football because I don't know who any of the players are, and I wouldn't be able to figure any of that out. Um, but that said, congratulations, Thank well you. done, and uh, and so what I watched instead of playing uh fantasy football is and i have this bad feeling that you've recommended this so if you have then uh, i'm just gonna have to deal but um at my daughter's insistence we have started watching um the last of us which is um, i haven't i didn't recommend it no, i haven't okay, seen it good so it is uh it is a show about well based on a video game which for me, those words would have immediately said, no, thank nah. you very much. Yeah. Not to my thing. Um, but uh, it has turned out to be really um, compelling. And it's Pablo Pascal. Um, and he is of the Mandalorian fame, among other things. Game um, of Thrones, Narcos. Yeah. He's in everything. Like everything yeah, he's, he's he in is. is awesome. Yeah. yeah. He was in that Nick Cage movie about Nick Cage sort of playing uh, himself. That's like, right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's he's fantastic. And then the young woman who's in it is also was also in Game of Thrones. She was the I forget her character's name and I forget the actress's name, but she was the young head of house who kills the the zombie giant in no spoilers, uh in, in <laughs> later later in the seasons. Um and she's great as well. She plays Ellie. But it's you know, it's I, you know, really well done. And the third episode, which I think everybody's been talking about from this show, is just not at all what you expect. It has Nick Offerman in it, um, and he plays a role that is very, feels to me, not like Nick Offerman, but he does a fantastic job. Um, and I don't want to spoil that episode, but it's, it, he, you know, the basics are he, the basics of the show are, are sort of zombie apocalypse thing, right? So there's this, this um, fungus that um, gets into people and sort of controls them and turns them into sort of zombie monsters. And then there's people who survive that, um, but it's post-apocalyptic. And and um, and there is a story about Nick Offerman that's really sort of just a one-episode story, as far as I can tell. Maybe there's going to be flashbacks to him later. I don't know. But, um, but that's about his life. And he starts out as a prepper um, before this apocalypse. And it's about what happens after um, and he's, you know, sort of prepared for it and what that means. And um, anyway, it's, it's a, it's a really well done show and I enjoy it a lot. And I have to say completely surprised by how much I enjoy the show. So um, if you haven't seen it, I would add it to your list. I, I thought it was going to be a lot of like jump scares and I'm not a jump scare person. I don't like horror movies. I don't like that kind of scary stuff where people are, you know, 
axed from behind suddenly and you I don't like any of that. Um, there is some scary bits to it, but a lot of it is is just about humans and and how they interact and how you deal with loss and and sadness. Um, and I think it's really, yeah, it's really well done. The actress is Bella Ramsey, Thank and uh, she played Liana Mormont. Mormont, uh, right? Um, House, House Mormont. Mormont remembers. House Mormont remembers. That's yes. the big scene where she's yeah. like this little, she's you great. know, yeah, uh, little. 12 year old girl she's like yeah but she's like the you know the head of the house yeah and she's like maybe 12 or 13 in there and she's house mormont remembers yeah no she's and she does a great job in the show she's obviously now like a a younger teenager yeah she's probably 15 or 16 i don't know now but anyway yeah yeah i hear i hear the buzz about it and i'll probably watch it at some point um yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's coming out, you know, one episode at a time, which many shows seem to be doing, re- returning to that model um, as opposed to dropping everything like at once that Netflix sort of innovated on. There's now been a return to this like. I think it creates more buzz. I think what yeah. it does when you do, when you drop it like weekly, um, creates more buzz and then there's more collaborative you know talking about it right because people are like hey what happened this did you catch this it's more that water cooler thing and you know rather than everybody navigating the things on their own you know um yeah and it it spreads it out so the buzz lasts longer right i mean if everybody can binge watch it in one weekend then it sort of blows up and that's it but this it can build. You can say, "Oh, have you seen the third episode? You thought the first two episodes were great. Wait till you see the third." When episode. that third episode came out, like like the next, like that Monday morning, like so many of my friends were like, just like you know, like literally little teary eyes. You know, yeah. I don't even know what happened in the episode, but it was yeah. clear that the this episode like just crushed people emotionally. Yeah, and I think and it, that yeah. seeing that collective reaction, I think, is something that is it's good to see it coming back. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it it is the third episode is a beautiful story. It really is exceptionally well told and um, amazing and and sad. But but really, there's a lot of sadness, as I said, throughout the series. But um, but it's really well done. So yeah, the other I'm, actor in in that episode is the guy from White Lotus, which you you know first season uh, of White Lotus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So if you haven't yeah. watched White Lotus, that's the he's he's incredible in that first season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, there you go. Ooh. We covered a lot of territory. Some whining, some joy, some peanut butter, some peanut butter epistemology. Yep, whatever that means. We'll be no, like, no. you know, next year we're like, why do we call it peanut butter <laughs> epistemology? And we won't have a notes app to tell us because there's well, no way with podcasts to figure that no out. No so way. Well, all right. We'll catch you next time. In between. See you then. Bye now.